0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Centers podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I want you to get ready uh, because I have a passionate word I'm going to release today. I have a passionate word I'm going to release today that is symbolic of two things. It's symbolic of your personal freedom and authority and dominion, but it's also about corporate dominion that we're going to walk even doing today. So it's a dual effect and I just want to pause and say this if. I, this is a very important thing I want to say. This is a prophetic word that I'm, that, I, that I've had actually is, is chapter eleven I believe is in my book that I wrote that it hasn't been published yet hasn't even been edited yet but um, it's something that I have had uh, and I preached a couple years ago at a camp and so um, but the Lord two weeks ago told me during this series to pr- preach this message to do a twofold thing, a continuation of the Free Indeed series that we've been doing. How many have been getting free in our in our series? Amen. We have a podcast uh, that, that is uh, fully edited. By Monday night, we have our podcast on iTunes. So all you have to do is go to iTunes and just type out Remnant Christian Center, and you'll have the full teaching for those who have missed, those who are working in children. But uh, if, if it's possible, I would like everyone to engage uh, with me as we pray. And I, I, I have a disclaimer. I, I had this already ready several years ago, but I had this ready two weeks ago to, to speak at RCC. So I, I need to say that because a lot of things that, that sometimes come out prophetically, people are like, are you talking about me? <laughs> well, if I am, I don't know about it. And, if it. and if it is, that's a good thing. If the shoe fits, wear it. But don't wear it with offense. <laughs> don't wear it with bitterness because I'm not targeting anybody. This is actually a very encouraging message. But I do want you to know that there's principles. Everybody say principles. Say principles. The, 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 script, the Bible is a book of principles, but it's also a book of, of biblical principles and biblical laws. And so, in other words, gravity says what comes up must come down. It doesn't matter what you believe. You could be atheist. It doesn't matter. Try, try jumping off that build, this building. You'll believe in gravity real quick, whether you believe in it or not. So truth is not determined by what you believe in. Truth is determined by what's true. So I want us to pray, and I want us to turn to Joshua chapter 1. Wow, I feel the Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We ask you to anoint me, anoint the listeners as we continue this series on free indeed and also prophetically continue today the start of, I believe, something historic in the city of Apopka where we're reclaiming territory from the enemy, and we know the enemy is mad, but we know that you've given us a promise to possess the things that you have us to possess at this hour. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Joshua chapter 1, verse... One through three, and then I'm going to jump down to, to verse 10 through 11. Now, I want you to hear me today through the eyes of revelation, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, because I'm going to share a story. And out of this story, I'm going to harp on three phrases and phases. I'm not trying to rhyme, but, I, but it, it rhymes. Three phrases and phases to The place of maturity and sustained dominion. What good is it if we have freedom, but we don't have the sustained dominion and authority that God has given us? Freedom is not a momentary thing. Can I hear an amen? Freedom is not just one one time thing, I got free, and then two weeks later you're bound by the same thing. And as you've learned through this series, that freedom is not only from demonic powers. Freedom is from emotional pain, from uh, things that we haven't dealt with from offense. We talked about offense a couple of weeks ago. We talked about fear last week. And the Lord, you, you told me, many of you said, I got supernaturally free. Many of you said from fear and anxiety. Do you know that fear and anxiety is a bondage? That was two people. Thank you for that. Amen. I'll go on this side. Do you know that fear and worry and anxiety is bondage? Have you ever suffered with anxiety and worry? You will know that it's bondage. Unless you know it's not bondage, you won't be free to get that from you. So you have to understand this is going to uh, cement us in what we're doing. And then uh, towards the end, I think it's next week, I'm going to end the series, and i want to talk about the freedom from sickness because I haven't talked about that. And I'm going to, we're going to have a healing service next week in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bring, I'm, I'm not joking. Bring people that are sick next week because we're going to believe God to supernaturally heal them. I know that in a Sunday morning service, that's hardly ever preached anymore in America, that bring the sick to a church. But we're gonna believe for that because that's bondage. Amen? Look at this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. If you don't mind, I'm gonna preach a little bit this morning. Saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Say, Moses, my servant is dead. What an introduction to ministry. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. Say, go over this Jordan. And you and all the people to the land which I am given to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will touch upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Verse 10. Jump down to verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, pass through the camp, and command the people, saying, prepare provisions for yourself. For within three days, watch this, you will cross over the Jordan. Say cross over the Jordan. This is significant. Say cross over the Jordan. When you cross over the Jordan, look what it says. To go in and possess the land which the Lord your God has already given you to possess. Some of you with a prophetic edge know where I'm going. Go in and possess what I have already given you to possess. So I want inter- to share something with you. There's, a, there's hidden prophetic implications about this story that I'm going to hit three main pillars of the progression of freedom. Because everyone wants the destination, but no one wants to go through the process. But the process is essential because you can't shortcut certain things to get to a place of greatness, to get to a place of vibrancy, to get to a place of victory, to get to a place of holiness, to get into a place of maturity, come on. Maturity doesn't happen by osmosis. Wow, no amen to that one. <laughs> maturity does not happen just because you love God. Maturity happens by you being intentional about growth. Now you have to understand something. The history with Joshua and Moses is very significant to, to help you give a backdrop of what I'm about to share. Joshua, Moses was everything to Joshua. Joshua was the assistant, the right-hand man to Moses. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Joshua, when he was, uh, he was one of the first ones to have the, the, the right heart with Caleb to go and spy out the land. We're going to spy out the land. We're going to walk on the land today. To to get to, to see if there was a good report and everybody else had a bad report and he, only Joshua and Caleb came with a good report because they saw with the eyes of the spirit. Everyone said we can't. It's too dark in a popka. Come on, somebody. It's too bad. It's too da- it's too bad in a popka. No one can do that. No one could reach. It. It's just one church. You can't. One church can't do that. I know that in one church. But jo- but Joshua and Caleb spied the land, the promised land, and everyone said we can't do it. Moses, I'm sorry to tell you, sorry to pop your bubble. I know you have some good dreams to reach this land, but we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb tore their their, their robes and said what are you talking about we got God on our side we could do this And as a result God made everyone else stay in the wilderness and only Joshua and Caleb entered into the promised land Joshua was also the one that was fighting the battles in the in the good old Moses was just you know the uh, intercession lifting up his hands and Joshua was fighting all the battles and and Aaron and her would lift up the hands of Moses and as long as the hands were of Moses were lifted up the Bible says the victory was brought to the children of Israel. and I can see Joshua saying, bro, don't put your hands down because I'm about to lose if you do. The Bible says every time his hands went down, the people lost. Every time his hands were up, symbolically of being in that place of action and intercession, faith without works. All right? So, so you have to understand the relationship, the dear relationship that had with, with Joshua had with Moses. As a matter of fact, to understand what I'm about to say, Joshua, wh- when, you, when you saw Moses go up to the mountain to get the, the tablets, uh, the, uh, the Ten Commandments, Joshua, the Bible says, did not depart from the temple. Why do I say this? Because you ha- there's three sp- spiritual phases to freedom and dominion. Say that with me. There's three spiritual phases Come on, say that. Three spiritual phases to freedom and dominion. Based on what I'm about to tell you, I want you to see through the eyes of the Spirit what this means to you and I. Because these prophetic phrases are actually necessary. Please hear me. Please hear me. Necessary for you and I to understand to get into a place of sustained maturity, freedom, and to possess not just the spiritual land, but the physical land that we're going we're gonna to ask for today. Can I hear an amen? The first... The first phase is this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Say that with me. Say, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, I need you to hear this because this is going to run sharp on some of you. Say, Moses, my servant is dead. And that is symbolically speaking of the spiritual principle of the death process. Hear me now. The spiritual principle. We just honored a family. But this is a spiritual principle that I have to tell you because the first thing that God Almighty told Joshua when he was about to be inducted into ministry was not, I believe in you, son. You're going to do a great job. Was not, my anointing is on you. Go get him, boy. It wasn't, I am so proud of you. This You are my son. It is your turn. It wasn't any of that. It's like, hey. Joshua, I have news for you. Here's the start. Here's the start of your ministry. If you don't get this, you can't get further. Here's my announcement to you, Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, why would God tell Joshua something he already knew in the natural? He knew Moses was dead. Why would, G, would the Lord go out of his way to continue to say to, to the first thing to say to Joshua was, was, Moses, my servant, is dead. You know why? Because in the spiritual realm, you have to understand the death process that all of us have to go through for us to get a true resurrection of victory, of power, of victory in our life. Because without a death process, there can't be any resurrection or fruitfulness in your life. There are some things in our life that we have to learn how to die and let go of. If we're all, if we're going to get to a place of true vibrancy in our heart, because if we do, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If you do, are not willing to embrace, watch this: the process, the death process to your flesh, to your bad habits, death to your old habits, death to your old uh, mentality, death to your old lifestyle. You will never get to a place of sustained freedom. Why? Because you're still alive. And when you're still alive, you get offended and you get fearful and you get angry. And there's a death process, but that death process, if you don't know about it, it will hurt emotionally and it will will hurt in your mind. Can I hear an amen? But here's the thing that I want to point out to you. Joshua was in a season of transition. And when you're in a season of transition for growth, for your journey, watch this, there's things in your life that you have to choose to die to and let go to. He was in a season of transition in his life. Whenever you and I are in a season of transition, we've got to recognize some things that we have to let go of and die to. Some of our old habits, some of our old ways. If you're going to transition, there has to be an embracing of a death process. Hear me now, church. Hear me now. Because this is what I find out. I want you to hear me now because I'm going to preach good in a second. Moses represented everything good in Joshua's life. Moses represented good, say good. But yet, God told Joshua, Moses, that good portion of your life, is dead. Think about what I'm about to say. I'm gonna get in trouble maybe if some of y'all, if you don't understand me right. It's important, it's important to hold back, to hold on to the The good experiences of your past. The good moments where God visited you in the past. The good financial breakthroughs in the past. But if you're not careful for the fact that you're not having a a, a vibrancy in your heart now, you will be choosing to be stuck in the good old days where God used you five years ago and God used you ten years ago. And all the good that you are holding on to will actually stifle and and make you stale, stale with the new revelations that God wants to give you today, the new testimonies you guys want Today and the new victories you got today. Here's, I got news for you. There's people that are stuck in the good that happened 10 years ago, the revelations that happened five years ago, the mission trips that they went on 10 years ago. Come on, man. The, the, the how the Lord used them 10 or seven years ago. And what happens is they're stuck in that good memory because they don't have enough victory for today. So the only thing that they could pull from is five years ago when they went on a mission trip because they have very few testimonies today. There's something about having a fresh victory when is the last time you had fresh victory a fresh testimony today i'm not talking about how the lord used you five years ago i'm not talking about how the lord encountered you 10 years ago we need to hold on we need to appreciate those but if we define our christianity by the good old days we will never progress to have a new fresh revelation today that's why the Lord told, there's some people that because of lack, can I, be, can I just preach for a second? Because of their lack of their vibrancy now, because of their lack of power now, they were more powerful and zealous five years ago, three years ago than they are now. So they have to pull back to the Moses era. But the Lord said, Joshua, I know you have fond memories of Moses. I know that Moses was incredible for you. And I know that in those times that Moses led you and he said scripture to you and now he was the voice of God to you. But the season for Moses being in your life is over. Because if it's not over, you can never arise, Joshua. If you, because now Moses was no longer there to hold him by the hand and lead and, and read scriptures to Joshua anymore. Now Moses wasn't around to to be the spiritual leader anymore. Moses wasn't around to be the example anymore. And and the Lord knew that about Joshua that he was stifling his freedom and his authority because he did not want to let go for the fact that Moses was not in his life. He didn't want to let go. Of the good times in the past. Let me tell you something. I love the fact that God used you five years ago. But what is God doing through you now? Come on, man. I'm preaching good here. I love the fact that the Lord encountered you three years ago. But are you getting fresh encounters today? Moses, my servant, is dead. There was an exclamation point from the Lord it says you have to know that if you don't progress and move on from these moments that were good then you will be stuck in the old revelation and I want to give you new stuff here's the thing look at me the Bible talks about old wineskin I don't want to say something really clear Jesus talked about old wineskin and he never said that the old wineskin was not fruitful in its day The old wineskin was useful in its day. The old wineskin was great in its day. Jesus didn't say the old wineskin is bad. He says, no, the old wineskin is good for that day. But for the new wine that I'm about to pour out, you need new wineskin for the new wine. So, a lot of preachers talk bad about the old wineskin. No, it's the old wineskin was good for the day, but today there's freshness that I want to give you. But if you're stuck in that old mentality that I used you 20 years ago and you're never pursuing, and you have a new revelation with God, then you're gonna stifle your growth. Watch this. And Moses, in that time, was an old wineskin that worked well. And the Lord said to Joshua, That's old wineskin. That's dead. That was good in his day, but it's your turn to arise. It's your turn to take responsibility for your freedom. That got two amens. Because if we don't learn, if we don't learn this principle, we will be stuck in the past. Everybody say the past. And I could almost hear the Lord saying, Joshua, I'm glad that you have these great memories. But if you don't let this go if you don't die to some of these areas in your life not just the bad things but if you don't die to the way that i used moses in the past you will never walk in your destiny can i hear an amen i don't even want to go there but there are some people that are riding the coattails of their family for a vibrant walk with god and that's not going to work in the kingdom of god just because your father and mother are christians doesn't mean that you have a vibrant life in god just because your whole family goes to church doesn't mean that you are vibrant in your heart with god think I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning look look at this look at this it's not how we start it's how you finish but that's how many people look at Christianity they say look I started well 10 years ago 20 years ago boy I would lock myself in the closet and I would pray for hours boy those days were good and God is saying Moses is dead Think about, think about the shock that Joshua had when he's on the scene and the Lord says, come here, Joshua, I'm going to introduce you to ministry now. Oh, this is awesome. He's going to say something incredible that I need to hear. What is it, Lord? I'm, I've been studying, okay, I've been, doing, I've been ready, I'm preparing my heart. Here's my, here's, my, here's, my, here's my prophetic thing for you, Joshua. Ready? Yes, give it to me. I'm, I am waiting for the Holy Spirit to come on me right now. Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, I want you to know this that there's things that you have to die to. In order for you to get to where I want you, there's things that you have to die to. Can I hear an amen? If we're not moving in the same power and the same zeal that we had five years ago, seven years ago, three years ago, there will be a tendency, watch this, hear me now, to stay parked in comfortability. And we say stay parked and not progressing because all we're doing is having the memories of our youth or the memories of when God used us. My friends, there has to be fresh victory today because you'll never get free if you're living from past victory. Come on, man. Let me tell you. You know what the Bible says? I'm, I'm going to say something shocking to you. The Bible actually says in the NLT versions not to wish for the good old days. Look, Put that up there. I know this sounds crazy, right? But NLT, Solomon says something in, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Look what it says. Do not long for what? Come on, shout at me. Do not long for what? For this is not wise. What? Is that in the Bible? Do not long for the good old days. Well, Pastor George, we need to remember good stuff. I'm not saying not to remember it. It's don't stay parked there. The problem is that we get parked there and we never have new revelation. And you know what? It's a recipe for spiritual frustration. Because you realize you're not where you want to be because you're parked in that good old days. Listen, love the good old days, but move on. Hello? Don't compare yourself, don't compare yourself with just the good old days because you're gonna get depressed. Man, I was so on fire then. Well, then do something about it. It doesn't matter if you've been away from God for 10 years, in one moment you could get right with Jesus. I said, in one moment you could get right with Jesus. Can I hear an amen? You and I have got to realize the principle of death. Listen to me. I'm going to go to the second phrase. But before I go, say, Moses, my servant is dead. Everyone is scared of a death process. Hear me now. Look at me. But you know what death really is? Please hear me now. Please hear me. Spiritual, spiritual death to your flesh and stuff. You know what that really is? And even physical, even physical death. Everyone is scared of dying. But you know what death is? It's a portal from one dimension to the next. Everyone always talks about going to the next level or going to the next dimension, but they don't want to go through the portal. Oh man, that was a good place to say amen. Everyone says, Man, I'm gonna to go to the next level. I'm gonna to go to the next dimension. And the Lord says, die. Because the portal for the next dimension, how do I know that? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's a dimension. Death is a dimension change. It's a portal. To live is Christ. To die is gain. You know what Paul the Apostle said for all your religious people? I die daily. Not not once a week. He goes, I die to my flesh daily because I know that if this flesh is alive in me, I'll cancel and destroy everything that God has planned for me. There has to be a recognition of the process of death in our lives, in order to get to our spiritual promised land. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? And this is the description that we gave, and I'm going to share it again. It's in John chapter 12. Put it up there, Zach. Every one of us needs to identify something that we need to die to. Look at me. As your pastor, I'm telling you, everyone, including me, has to identify things we have to die to. But if we don't identify them and we just say, well, time will heal. Time will not heal certain things. If you have cancer, time will kill you. You have to deal with it. I said, you got to deal with it. I don't know if you're quiet because the Holy Spirit is talking to me or you're just mad at me. <laughs> Look at this. Unless a seed falls to the ground and what? And what? It does not bear fruit. But if it dies, it will produce much fruit. It will produce much fruit. In your life spiritually, emotionally, emotionally. Through this unfortunate tragedy with this family. I know right now I could close my eyes and I can almost see Kamari, who I never met, smiling down and saying, I'm a seed. You have to understand that all of us must embrace this. If we run away, if we run away from things that we need to deal with, we will we will shortcut the freedom process in our life. Can I hear an amen? Your calling is basically this, Jesus said. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. All of them revolve a process of death. (laughs) What do you need to die to? Die to your anger. Die to your lust. Die die to your uh, attitude. Die die to your habitual habits of, of addictions. But we also need to die to the place that we felt comfortable parking in because God used us back then powerfully. Come on, church. Come on, church. You have got to do this. Now, here's a second phrase. Here's a second phrase. Listen to me. This is probably the most significant one I'm going to talk about. There's three of them. The second phrase is that the Lord told Mo, uh, Joshua, the first phrase is, Moses, my servant, is dead. Say, Moses, my servant, is dead. The second phrase, he said this, cross over the Jordan. Come on, I'm going to get deep here now. Say, cross over the Jordan. Say it one more time. Say, cross over the Jordan. This is symbolic of you and I confronting our pain and our darkness. We have to, I know this sounds weird, but we must confront the dark areas and the hurtful areas of our life if we really wanna get free and we really wanna get dominion and we really wanna get authority. We can't keep running away from our pain. We can't keep running away from sh- from our shameful incidents. The crossing the Jordan is some prophetically symbolic of saying this, Joshua, there's a promised land for you, but you must cross over the Jordan to get it. There is no shortcut. I want you to listen to me. Back in the old days, in the Hebrew days, there was no helicopters. There was no planes. So you could not shortcut the process to get to the promised land. You actually had to go through the Jordan to get to the promised land. A lot of people, Christians, want to shortcut the process that they have to get to their spiritual promised land because they don't want to face their Jordan rivers. And the reason why Jordan River is significant, what you say, why is Jordan so significant? I will tell you why. Listen to me. This is prophetic. You're going to be free here. Because the Jordan River was the darkest, the murkiest, the ugliest, the most undesirable river in, river in Israel. And it's proven in Scripture. And nobody wanted to go in there because of the fact that it had a reputation of being dark. Oh, come on. Being murky, being ugly, being, being uh, full of pollution. And yet, God says, that dark area, that dark reality, that hurtful reality, that thing that's causing a lot of murkiness, you need to cross. And you can't avoid this issue. Watch this. Cross over the Jordan is symbolic of you and I. Ready? Buckle your seatbelts is symbolic of you and I facing the dark, murky areas in our life that we don't want to talk to anybody about. We have not talked to anybody about, oh, yeah, sure, we talk about other weaknesses to other people, but the Jordan River is symbolic of the deep stuff and the deep junk that nobody knows about, just you and God and maybe one or two people. Come on, man. And you have to realize that this is a... a, A key to getting free because sometimes in order for you to get free, please hear me now, please hear me now, you have to face your darkness. If David did not face Goliath, Goliath would have been still alive and chasing Israel all the days of life. He said, enough, and I'm facing my giant. Everybody has a Goliath that they have to face. If you run away from Goliath, it's just going to extend the time that he's still there. But if you face it, even though it's hurtful, you will be on the process of healing and victory and freedom in your mind and in your heart. Come on, say amen. Because sometimes you have to remember your past in order to get free. Listen to me, preachers say in good intention, don't worry about, forget about your past. And it's true, we need to forget about our past when it's something that the Lord already forgave, forgave me and you. If I committed a sin in the past and I asked God for forgive me, then you know what, I have no condemnation in the Lord. The Lord says forget that, but, everybody say but. but. See, God's butt is bigger than yours. <laughs> hey, To the pure, all things are pure, okay? But, but, watch this, but, what happens is sometimes the experiences in our past are so painful that we choose not to remember them, and we convince ourselves that it didn't happen. We convince ourselves because it's too difficult, oh, come on, it's too difficult to talk about, it's too, hard, it's too shameful to deal with, so we just say, hey, let's not talk about that, let's just go to another subject, and because we don't talk about it, and because it's, it, and we don't want to face it, doesn't mean it's eliminated from the Jordan River of our lives. Do you have to remember that sometimes we need to remember our past in order to get free? Because God is not interested in exuberance and excitement. He loves that. But he's not interested in exuberance and excitement. He's interested in your heart. What's really in your heart. What's really in your mind. But you have to understand this. The murky areas of your life, the dark areas of your life, the secret areas of your life, that's your personal Jordan River. And God says you must face it and you must cross over it in order for you to get to a place of freedom. Ooh, that got no amens. Thank you, girl. (laughs) look at me i'm gonna say something profound i don't need the musicians to get up here the worship team the jordan river was so murky and dark that on the surface it appeared that nothing was in there that there was no there was no darkness there was no junk there was no pollution there was nothing like that on the surface everybody say on the surface come on everybody say on the surface see christians have a lot of things on the surface can i preach this morning A lot of Christians are like, hey, how you doing, like Donnie said, and they have that smile, and to to appear strong, and they're having a miserable week, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored the Lord. No, 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 you're blessed and highly favored whether you're having a bad day or you're having a good day. But we get all religious and say, oh, well, you know, everything's good. No, maybe things are not good, and you need to talk about it. You need to to face the fact, like, you know what, I'm angry. You know, I'm addicted. I, I need help. You you, you need to face the fact that, watch this, on the surface, the Jordan River appeared clean and with no junk in it. Say junk. Because nobody knows the real junk in the Jordan River until you cross through it. Until you cross through the Jordan River, then you will realize what's truly in the Jordan River. When you start putting your feet in there, you start realizing all the junk that's in the Jordan River starts to come out. And if you're not careful, you'll be scared by what you see. But what happens is God says, this is the recipe for freedom. You must cross over the Jordan. You must face it, Joshua. It's going to be murky in there. It's going to be dark in there. It's going to be hurtful in there. It's going to be shameful in there. But you must walk and choose because if you don't, you'll stay stuck in that bondage and that sorrow and that depression. You must face your past. I love the Lion King. I could quote Lion King all day. But when, when, when uh, Simba was destined for greatness and he was running away from his call, he was running away because he did not want to face his Jordan. He was running away because he didn't want to face his, his his murky areas of his life. And then you see Rafiki hit him in the pow, in the head. He's like, what was that for? And Rafiki was like, doesn't it matter. It's in the past. And I start thinking, you could do two things with your past. You could either be abused by it, or you could learn from it. But to learn from it, you gotta face it. Say, face it. Say, cross the Jordan River. Say, cross the Jordan River. Now watch this. I want you to turn to 2 Kings. I'm going to leave. go to about 12.05 today because I want to hit this home. How many are getting something this morning? Say, Moses, my servant is dead. Cross over the Jordan. Now look at someone that was called by a prophet to face the Jordan. Hear me now because I'm going to tell you something deep. Say, face the Jordan, and he did not want to. Do you know that there's Christians here today all over the world that God is calling, face your Jordan. Everybody has a Jordan. I want to say this right now. Everyone, including me, everyone has a Jordan. Now, I may not be as murky as others, but everyone has a Jordan river to cross. Everyone. And you have to realize that in the Bible, there was instructions to go to the Jordan to get healed. And someone didn't want to do it because they didn't want to face it. Do you know that you can stay in your bondage because you don't want to face your hurt? Do you know that? Watch this. Look at 2 Kings. Look it up there. Look at verse 1. Look what it says. Are you ready? Now Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord gave victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. Watch this. But he was a leper, Jordan. That's a there's a there's an area, bam, there's an area there that was a stain in his life. He was a mighty man. You know you could be mighty outwardly and struggle inwardly. You know you could be powerful in front of everybody, but be weak and broken privately, and nobody knows about it. The Bible says he was an honorable man, but he was a leper. And if you know anything about leprosy, it's a very debilitating disease that will eat you up from the inside out to even some of your body parts start falling off. Now watch. If that was the normal person, I would be like, whatever God says, I'll do. Even if it's run around in my underwear is ten times, I'll do it. If God told you, in order for you to be healed, you need to run around ten times around your block in underwear. I'm not saying to do that. I'm not saying God will do that. But we put, we put limitations on God. Well, God will never tell me to do that. We're not you know why you know why some of us are not free? Because we're not desperate enough. We're not willing to make ourselves look like a fool for the sake of freedom. Look at this. Verse 10. Say verse 10. Look, at, look verse 10 up there on the screen. And Elisha the prophet sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash where? Come on, shout at me. Go and wash where? I can't hear you. Go and wash where? One more time, go and wash where? You would think that this man goes. Great, I have leprosy. Praise God. The man of God said, go to the Jordan. Do it. He said, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. But Naaman, verse 11, became furious and went away and said, indeed, I I said to myself, he will surely come out and stand and call upon the name of the Lord God and just wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Look at verse 10. Look at what he says, verse 12. Are not the Abana and the Parpha and the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? So scripture scripture's actually proving that the Jordan was not desirable at all. The prophet said, you want freedom? Face your Jordan. Go to the Jordan. Naaman, you're a leper. Yes. You need- the prophet could have said, go to the Euphrates River. It would be much cleaner. He goes, go to the Jordan. There's something prophetic about this. He said, go to the Jordan. Watch this. And your flesh will be restored. And, he, and, and, the, and the Bible says, you, uh, verse 13, And his servants came near and said, My father, if the prophet had told you something great, would you not have done it? How much more then would you, says, wash and be clean in the Jordan? Verse 14. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. This leprosy guy. He faces Jordan. He actually faced the darkness and the murkiness and the ugliness. Watch this. Glory to God. According to the saying of the man of God. And afterwards, his flesh was restored like a little child. And he was clean. And he was clean. Naaman was a leper and was instructed by the prophet to go to the Jordan. And listen, this is a picture of the church. This is a prophetic picture of the church. Naaman didn't didn't want to take responsibility for his freedom because it's easier to live in bondage than it is in freedom. It's not condonable to live in bondage, but it's easier. Why? Because with bondage, you don't have to restrain any of your senses. You just give in to anything that you want and you're in bondage. But freedom takes responsibility on your part. So here's the picture of the church. He said, I thought the prophet was going to wave his hand and heal the place. That's the picture of the church today. If the pastor just hit, lays hands on me, if I come up to the altar, if I just lay hands, if the, if the leadership just lay hands on me, I'll be clean. But don't tell me to give up smoking. Don't tell me to give up drug addiction. Don't, come on, I'm preaching good here. Don't, don't tell me to give up lust. Don't tell me to give up infidelity. I just, want, I just want the pastor to wave his hands over me. It's a picture of the church today. They don't want to take responsibility. They want someone to pray for their healing and they just want someone to wave their hands over the place and everything magically is going to be good. Your, your addictions, your lust, your anger, your bitterness is magically just going to go away because some man of God waved his hands. It's not. It's not. You have to face the Jordan. Look at me. Say Jordan. You have to face of Jordan. But when he did, listen to me. I am surprised. Look at me. I'm almost closing. I am shocked. How many people want to stay with their spiritual leprosy because they don't want to face their personal Jordans? I am astonished of how many people want to stay with their spiritual leprosy because they refuse to deal with the dark, hurtful shameful areas of their life that they haven't talked to anybody about. They refuse to deal with that part of their life and they choose to stay with spiritual leprosy. When I saw that story, I felt like going through the Bible and slapping Naaman. Like, what's wrong with you? The, dude, the prophet said you're going to be healed if you go to the Jordan. And he's still like, ah, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. What are you talking about, Pastor George? The Lord says I got to give up that adulterous lifestyle. That's right. I can't believe the Lord. I can't believe the Lord's not healing me because let's just say eating. If you want to go on a diet and you're eating donuts every day, don't blame God for your lack of size going down. I'm almost done. Matthew 13, Jesus, I'm almost done. If we could have Michael here. Michael, someone could get him, our drummer. Look at Matthew 3. Are you getting something this morning? I feel resistance in the atmosphere. I don't say that much, but I sense the enemy blocking this and blocking some of your ears. Usually there's a a response that I get, but but today there's, there's a distraction that the enemy... Just do not get distracted by this. The enemy doesn't want you to hear this. Do you know that Jesus... Our God went could have been baptized in any river. And guess where he got baptized? I can't hear you. Where did he go? He said, he went to the Jordan. Our God, our King, our Lord, could have gone to anybody. The purest man alive, the purest human being alive, went to the Jordan. But something significant and prophetic happened when he faced the Jordan. Because the Jordan that Jesus went through was not for his personal darkness. It was for the darkness of all humanity. And he said, I'm going to take the place of the pain and the darkness and the shame of all humanity. And I'm going to go into the Jordan, the most undesirable place in this land. And I'm going to identify with pain. I'm going to identify with shame. I'm going to identify with darkness. And I'm going to baptize Myself in that dirty, murky water. And something significant happened when Jesus, the Son of God, went to the Jordan, the dark place. Look what happened. Look at it. Put it up there. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan and was baptized by him. Look at this. Look at at verse 16. Jump to 16 now. When he had been baptized, oh, you're going to shout. Jesus came up immediately from the water. Watch this. And behold, The heavens were open. No, 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 you didn't get that immediately when he chose to go to the Jordan, immediately when he got up from the Jordan, the Bible says the heavens were open over him. Watch this. And he saw the Holy Spirit descending upon him. You know what's going to happen in your life when you finally say, Moses, my servant is dead, and you face that dark area of your life, that tendency of your life, and you face it and you own it, and you face that Jordan River, what's going to happen is that the windows of heaven is going to open over your life, and you're going to see the Holy Spirit come in power over your life. And in freedom. Come on, shout. Why? Why? Because why freedom? Why liberty? Because the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And he didn't see some weird stuff coming on him. He saw the Holy Spirit coming on him. So when you face your Jordan, guess what happens? Open heaven comes over your life and liberty comes in your life. But you have to go through the Jordan. Naaman went through the Jordan and he didn't want to and he got healed. Jesus of Nazareth went to the Jordan and as soon as he got up from that dirty, uh, dirty, murky, rotten, hurtful, shameful place, <sighs> open heaven. Woo! Open heaven over his life immediately. You want to open you wanna open heaven over your life, my friends? Do you want to open heaven over your life? Face your Jordan. Go to your Jordan. go stop running see this is inner healing you got to face your Jordan some of you I feel this from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit now your Jordan is maybe not something that happened to you It's something that you feel about yourself you feel like a failure I just heard that from the Lord you feel like you're failing and that's your Jordan you got to face it and God is saying you're not a failure what defines failure? You know, I turned my son Jonathan the other day. I said, son, Michael Jordan failed more times than he succeeded. And he's the greatest basketball player that I've ever put. He got, he got cut from his high school basketball team. And he became the greatest basketball player that ever, I'm a Magic Johnson fan. But Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player ever. Why? Because he did not allow failure to define him. A true sign of a champion are not those who never fail, they're those who never quit because everyone's gonna fail. If we judge our success by failures, then we're all failures. But if we judge our success by not giving up and quitting, a righteous man falls seven times, yet seven times he gets up. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due time you shall reap if you do not faint. You know the third thing that the Lord said to Joshua? He said, Moses, my servant is dead. He said, face to Jordan. And then you know what he said next? The last thing, the next fr- last phrase that I'm gonna close? is arise, go, say arise, say arise, go to the land, that you're going to possess with the Lord your God has given you to possess. That is symbolically of the place of freedom and the place of sustained maturity in your life. What God is saying to you now is once you die to the good and the old, once you face the Jordan, the windows of heaven will open over you, will open over your family, will open over your city, and now it's your turn to go and arise and possess what God's given you. Because a lot of you, you've done step one and two, but you haven't gone yet. You haven't gone to the place of your destiny. And the word arise there, watch this, in the Hebrew, the word arise in the Hebrew there is Q-U-W-M, quam, which means, oh, I love this, to stand up suddenly, to become powerful. And I love this last, last definition, to come on the scene to come upon the scene that's what the word arise means here in the book of Joshua is to come on the scene the Lord is basically telling Joshua now that you've died and chosen to learn that Moses even though it was good that you had to die to Moses that, that, that in your life and now that you're willing to face that dark murky area of the Jordan now the Lord says it's time for you to come on the scene and arise! It's time for you to come on the scene because you've been behind the scenes way too long. You've been de- behind the scenes with your sadness, with your sorrow. You've been behind the scenes with pitying yourself and, and beating yourself up. You've been behind the scenes with your prayer life. You've been behind the scenes with your word life. You've been behind the scenes in your holiness. You've been behind the scenes in talking to people about Jesus. You've been behind the scenes with, with your anger and your bitterness. You've been behind the scenes with your complaint. You've been behind your scenes with making an But now it's time for you to come on the scene. I said it's time for you to arise and go possess what I've given you. Not just personally, but for the city of Apopka. And the the Bible says every place that Joshua put his feet on, I'm going to give you. Because you crossed the Jordan. Once you cross the Jordan, every place that your feet touch, I'm going to give you. In about one hour, our feet are going to touch the streets of Apopka. They're going to touch the the sidewalks of Apopka. And we're going to come from here to 10th Street. And when we get there, we're going to blow a shofar and shout to the Lord and say, God, you're the God of my city. You're the God of Apopka. You're the God of this land that I'm going to possess, possessing my freedom. Because God says in Romans, the earnest expectation of the creation is eagerly waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God to arise. God is waiting for us to possess the land physically and spiritually. Come on, lift up our hands. Let's all stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet right now. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.